Secret number seven, infiltrating the Dream 100. From 1989 to 1994, there was a late-night talk show called The Arsenio Hall Show. My parents didn't let me watch it, so I never had a chance to watch it at home. I do remember, though, that one of my friend's parents watched it every night, and often my best friend would tell me about it. One summer night during a sleepover at their house, we stayed up late, and I had my first chance to see the famous Arsenio Hall in action, running around doing his woof, woof, woof chant as he pumped his fists in circles. We used to mimic this on the playground for years afterwards every time we would score a touchdown or a home run. His shtick became ours, and we thought we were so cool every time we did it. Over the years, I had a chance to see his show a few other times. I remember being amazed at the energy of his show and the amazing guests he'd bring on. In June 1992, he had Bill Clinton on while Clinton was running for president. Clinton played Heartbreak Hotel on the saxophone, an act considered by many to be the most important moment in his political career for helping to build his popularity among minorities and younger voters. Just two short years later, the show went off the air, and for most of us, we never heard Arsenio's name again. That is, until 2012, when he showed up as a contestant on Celebrity Apprentice. I watched that season trying to learn business lessons for growing my company from Donald Trump and the contestants. Each of these episodes gave me a few ideas, but the biggest gold nugget was dropped in episode 7. It was so simple, I think, that almost everyone missed it. For some reason, though, it caught my ears and it's been running through my mind for almost a decade. Let me set the scene for you. The two competing teams were tasked with raising money for charity, and all the contestants were making phone calls to their rich friends and asking for donations. Penn Gillette was able to get the Blue Man Group to perform in the streets of New York City and to donate money. Every celebrity was able to raise some money, except for one, Arsenio Hall. I watched as Arsenio opened his Rolodex of celebrities and made calls for hours. Each call went to voicemail. He got one commitment from Jay Leno, but the check showed up past the deadline and didn't count towards the competition. In the final scene before the boardroom, Arsenio's frustrated teammates tried to figure out why he didn't raise any money. Defeated, Arsenio explained that everyone used to answer his calls when he had his own show. But when he didn't have his own talk show, his so-called friends avoided him. And that was the big takeaway. When you have your own show, everyone answers your calls. Earlier, we talked about the Dream 100, how you can work your way in or buy your way in. In either of those situations, you have more leverage when you have your own show or your own platform. When Arsenio had a talk show, if he called anyone, even the future president of the United States, they would take the call because they knew that he could provide a platform from them that they couldn't get otherwise. Your platform is a true value that you're providing your Dream 100. It's more valuable than money, than gifts, or anything. The Dream 100 wants exposure, and your platform can provide that for them. As cool of a person as I think I am, I'm pretty sure that if I didn't have my platform of over 2 million entrepreneurs, along with my email list, social list, and podcast listeners, it would have been very difficult to get Tony Robbins or any of my Dream 100 to return my calls, respond to my emails, or be interested in working with me. None of these people needed another friend. They did need, however, access to my platform. And so that gave me the ability to get my foot in the door, build friendships, and start partnerships. This is the key to working your way in. Recently, I heard Gary Vaynerchuk speaking at an event for digital marketers. When someone asked him where the future of marketing and attention was going, his response was very profound. I think this, holding up his cell phone, is the television in 1965. And the TV? They're the radio, right? The one thing I do study is history because history loves to repeat itself. So if you go and look at the brands, the beer brands, that were romantic about staying on the radio because that's how they did it and they didn't shift to television, while things like Miller Lite that nobody had ever heard of went TV only and became the brand. If you look at TV in 1965, that's what I think this, the cell phone, is. And I think that YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat are ABC, NBC, and CBS. And then I think that I, within... And MASH and Happy Days. 
So that's the system. So that's what you need to do for your business is to figure out the channels where you could be the star of that network. As powerful as that statement is, the more powerful thing to understand is that today you don't have to convince a network that you should have your own show. Instead, you can click a few buttons and that fast you can have a show on all the major apps. Right now, the ABC, NBC, and CBS on people's phones are Facebook, the talk show, podcasts, radio, YouTube, sitcom, Instagram, reality TV, and blogs are newspapers. More apps and channels will pop up, but as of right now, the majority of eyeballs are focused on these apps, which gives each of you the ability to create your own show for free. But is having your own show the same as having your own list? I would say that the answer is kind of. With your own list, you own the traffic, but with your own show, you're renting space and trying to earn eyeballs on somebody else's network. That was the problem for Arsenio. When Fox dropped his show, it was over. If Facebook decides they don't like your show for some reason, and they've been known to do it, they can cancel your show or your account without any warning. The same is true with podcasts, Instagram, and YouTube. Now, imagine if Arsenio Hall understood the principles you learned in Secret Number 4, and if, during each episode of his show, he told his viewers to go to his funnel and opt in to get his top 100 favorite jokes for free. In that case, he would have built a list of millions of subscribers on the network's dime, and when the show got canceled, he would still have a platform because he still had his list. He could have moved on to a new channel, launched a podcast, or a blog, emailed his followers, and guided his followers to his new show. Until you own traffic, you're always left to the whims of the network. So even when starting your own show, remember that the goal is to still turn that traffic that you're earning into traffic that you own. Your primary distribution channel, email. The key to success with your show is how many people you can get to actually consume what you're creating. You might be able to rely on each platform promoting you for free, but I never like to include this as part of my marketing plans. Sometimes we'll create an episode that goes viral and we'll get millions of views for free, but that's not something we bank on. Instead, we need to ask ourselves, after my new episode is live, how can I get people to go and consume it ASAP? The best way to do that is to leverage the list that you've already been building. We spend all of our efforts to convert all traffic we control and traffic that we earn into traffic that we own, our own list. Because when we have our own list, we control our own destiny. I've had friends who relied 100% on Facebook or YouTube's algorithms to promote their videos. A lot were blessed with amazing reach, many of them getting tens of millions of views for each video they would publish. Unfortunately, each platform's algorithms changed, as they always do, and many of these same people now struggle to get a few hundred views. For that reason, I always look at free, viral traffic as the gravy on top of what might come if I promote the video to the best of my abilities. And I make my number one goal first and foremost to promote each episode I publish. In addition to email, you'll want to continue to build up other lists and distribution channels, such as direct messenger lists on Facebook and followers on Instagram, so you can do swipe ups. Each platform has its own version of a list, but email is the only one you own. You're renting all the rest and you can lose them at any time. Your primary show channel, text, video, or audio. The next logical question you might be asking yourself is, which channel do I create my show on? My response would be, it depends on you. To begin with, you shouldn't try to create a show on every channel. Doing that will hurt your ability to grow at all. For now, the key is to focus on one channel. In Secret 15, Conversation Domination, I'll show you how to leverage your primary show to get distribution across all channels. But for now, you need to focus on just two channels. Your primary distribution channel, which is email, and your primary show channel. The channel you should be growing your primary show on depends on you, your personality, and your talents. For those of you who love writing, I'd focus on creating a blog. If you hate writing, but you love the idea of being on video, then I recommend you build a show on one of the video channels. Each one has a different strategy that we'll go deeper into in the next section. 
For those of you who have a voice for radio or maybe just a little bit nervous about being on camera, then I'd recommend starting your own podcast. If you're still not sure what platform you'd like to create your show on, I recommend looking at which platform you consume the most content on. Typically, if you love YouTube and you spend a lot of time watching videos, you're going to have the best success creating videos for that platform because you understand it. If you listen to podcasts a lot, that's probably the best place for you to start. Similarly, if you read a lot of blogs, that's probably the best place to start. Because we spend so much time talking about your primary distribution channel, which is email and Secret 7, I'll spend the rest of this chapter talking about your master show. Remember that for now, you should only be building one show on one channel. Do not try to build more than one at this point. In Secret 15, I'll show you how to leverage just one primary channel into all the secondary channels, but that does not come now. Focus all of your efforts on making your first show successful. Starting your show, finding your voice. On March 26, 2013, I launched my first episode of my Marketing in Your Car podcast, which later became the Marketing Secret Show. It seemed as good a day as any to launch it, outside the fact that in the prior few months, I had almost bankrupted my company, fired about 100 employees, found out that I owed over $250,000 to the IRS, which, if I didn't pay soon, would mean even more fines and possible jail time, and had almost no money left in the bank account with tons of credit card debt piling up. Looking back now, it seems like the worst possible time to have launched a podcast teaching people my secrets of marketing. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. I knew that if I was going to do my own show, it had to be consistent or it wouldn't work. Out of all the types of show that I could publish, audio, video, or text, I knew that it had to be simple or I'd never stick to it. When I considered how to work it into my everyday routine, I realized that every day I had a 10-minute commute to my office. I figured that I could record each episode on my phone as I drove to work. In the episodes, I would share my thoughts about what I was doing to market my business and the lessons I was learning each day. That's how it got its original name, Marketing in Your Car. The first episodes were not good. In fact, years later, my friend Steve J. Larson told me, the first 45 or 46 episodes weren't very good, but then around that time is where you seem like you found your voice, and they started getting better and better after that. The good news for me, and also for you, is that during your first episodes, the ones where you are the worst, no one is listening to you yet. If I hadn't done the first 45 episodes, I never would have gotten to the episode 46 where I started to hit my stride. That's why it's so essential to start publishing your show now, even when you're not good at it. In the process of doing your show, you will find your voice. I am so grateful that I actually had no idea how to check the download stats to see if anyone was listening to me when I first got started, because I'm sure that I would have been discouraged and stopped. Don't look at your stats, downloads, or numbers at first, because you're just trying to build a foundation for something great, and it will take time. About three years into my podcast, I learned how to check the download stats, and I discovered that I had tens of thousands of people listening to every episode. I also found out that the majority of the people who joined my highest level mastermind groups and coaching programs had all been podcast listeners first. When I asked our coaching members about it, the pattern of how most of them came into our higher-end programs was shockingly similar. So many of them told me that they would listen to a few episodes, and then for some reason, an episode would connect with them. It then made them want more, so they would go back to episode one and start binge listening to every episode over a week or two period of time. During the episodes, I documented my journey as I was building back up my company. I shared stories of the people I had a chance to work with. Usually before these listeners had finished binging, they'd applied to work with me. Without selling ads on my podcast, promoting my own products or other people's products, both things you can and probably should do to make money from your show, I was just telling stories of my own and from my clients. Yet that podcast has converted more casual followers into raving fans than anything else I've ever done. But it didn't start that way. It took over three years of consistent publishing. Let me walk you through the steps that will make your show a success. Step number one, publish daily for at least a year. 
The first commitment that you have to make is that you will be consistent. I know when I started that if I didn't find a platform that was easy for me and easy to create content, I wouldn't have been consistent. What platform makes the most sense to you? How and when are you going to publish? Do you wake up each morning and write a thousand word blog post before lunch? Do you do a Facebook Live before you go to bed each night sharing the day's lessons? What works for you that will help you to be consistent? If you can publish every day for a year, you'll never have to worry about money problems again. During the process, you will find your voice and your audience will have time to find you. One of my friends, Nathan Berry, wrote this post recently called Endure Long Enough to Get Noticed. He said, How many great TV shows have you discovered in season three or later? I started watching Game of Thrones after they'd released five seasons. Pat Flynn had released at least 100 episodes of his podcast before I even knew he existed. I discovered hardcore history years after Dan Carlin started producing it. This is such a common experience. There's so much content being produced we can't possibly discover it all. So instead, we wait for the best content to float to the surface after time. If step one in building an audience is to create great content, then step two is to endure long enough to get noticed. Seth Godin is very generous with his time and will appear on almost any relevant podcast, but you have to have recorded at least 100 episodes first. His filter is creators who have shown they are willing to show up consistently for a long time. For those of you who have been around me for any amount of time, you know that this is a soapbox I'm very firm on. You must be publishing or you will never become relevant, and you must continue publishing if you want to remain relevant. This part of the traffic flywheel does not go away. Steve J. Larson knew when he bought his first tickets to Funnel Hacking Live that I was probably going to tell everyone this eternal truth. But as he packed his bags, he told his wife, I will do everything that Russell says at this event except publishing my own show. I won't do that. Before lunch on day one, I told everyone that the number one thing they could do from now until next year's event would be to pick a channel and publish daily on it. I told them that if they did that every day for a year, they would never need to worry about money again. And then I did something that I hadn't before. I made everyone in the audience commit to me that they would start publishing that day. Most of the people in the room raised their hands and were excited to take the challenge, but very few took what I said at face value. But when one person, Steve J. Larson, made the commitment, the one that he went in knowing he wasn't willing to make, he decided to go all in. He decided to start a podcast, and at that event, he started creating his first episodes. About a week later, he applied for a job at ClickFunnels and became my new head funnel builder. He sat next to me every day for the next two years. As I was working on my projects, he watched me share, publish all of the lessons I was learning along the way. I was podcasting, posting on Facebook, doing Periscope shows, and more. He told me that he was shocked at how much I was publishing, and so he modeled what I was doing. For the next two years that he worked at ClickFunnels, he kept publishing his show. After a few months, it started getting some traction. It kept growing over the years. And when he decided to make the jump from being an employee to becoming his own entrepreneur, he had a large following of people who were consuming everything he was publishing. That show and his following became the launch pad he needed to launch his career. He had the fans and the following, so he simply introduced them to new offers he had created, and he became an overnight success. Step number two, document the journey. The biggest question and the largest fear that people have when I tell them they need to start their own show is they have no idea what they're going to talk about. One of the most powerful things I learned from Gary Vaynerchuk is the concept he calls document, don't create. I'm sharing an article from his blog going deeper into this concept. If you want people to start listening to you, you have to show up. What I mean by this is there are a lot of you out there who aren't producing enough articles or videos or pieces of content that should be produced to build your influence. Too many content creators think that they have only one at bat. They have to make the one, the most beautifully created video or image or rant on Facebook. But what they don't realize is that their hunger to make the perfect piece of content is actually what's crippling them. 
It's true that if you want to be seen or heard on social media, you have to put out valuable content on a regular basis. You should be doing a YouTube vlog or podcast or some sort of long-form audio or video series at least once a week. You should be posting on Instagram and or Snapchat stories at least six to seven times a day. Now you're probably thinking, whoa, that is a lot. How do I create six to seven meaningful things a day? I'll give you the biggest tip when it comes to content creation. Document, don't create. In very simple terms, documenting versus creating is what Real World and the Kardashians is to Star Wars and Friends. And don't get confused. Just because you're documenting doesn't mean you're not creating content. It's just a version of creating content that is predicated more on practicality instead of having to think of stories or fantasies, something that's hard for most people, including myself. Think about it. You can ponder about the strategy behind every post and fabricate yourself into this influential person, or you can just be yourself. Creating this influential persona might seem especially hard if you're just someone starting to climb the ladder. And I get it. For some of you, there's a lot of pressure going on in that. You think there's some 30 plus or 40 or 50 year old who's going to listen to your rant video with cynicism and think, what does this kid know? But one of the biggest mistakes people make when creating content for their personal brand is trying to oversell themselves because they think that's what's going to get people's attention. Whether you're a business coach or motivational speaker or an artist, I think it's much more fruitful to talk about your process than about the actual advice you think you should be giving them. Documenting your journey versus creating an image of yourself is the difference between saying you should versus my intuition says. Get it? It changes everything. I believe that people who are willing to discuss their journeys instead of trying to front themselves as the next big thing are going to win. So when I say put out those six to seven meaningful pieces of content a day, pick up your smartphone, open Facebook Live, and just start talking about the things that are most important to you. Because in the end, the creative or how beautiful someone thinks your content is, is going to be subjective. What's not subjective is the fact that you need to start putting yourself out there and keep swinging. Starting is the most important part and the biggest hurdle that most people are facing. They're pondering and strategizing instead of making. They're debating what's going to happen when they haven't even looked at what's in front of them. So do me a favor and start documenting. Okay, I started, Gary. Now what, you ask? Keep doing it for another five years and then come back to me before you ask again. People who are tuning into your show are typically doing it because they're looking for some type of result. It's the same reason why they buy your products, open your emails, and engage with your content. People listen to my podcasts, read my books, and watch my videos because they're trying to figure out more ways to market their business. I'm not publishing because I know everything about the topic. I'm publishing because I'm obsessed with this topic. I'm in a constant search for new and better ways to market my own company. And as I run across them, have ideas, and read cool things, I'm sharing them with my people. As my friend Rich Sheffern once told me, we get paid a lot to think for other people. So my first question for you as you start your show is this. What is the big result that you're obsessed with? What are you trying to learn for yourself anyway that you can document as you're discovering it in real time? When you listen to the introduction of my podcast, I call out the big question that I'm answering on my show. So the big question is this. How are entrepreneurs like us, who didn't cheat and take on venture capital, who are spending our own money from our own pockets, how do we market in a way that lets us get our products and our services and the things that we believe in out to the world, yet still remain profitable? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Russell Brunson, and welcome to the Marketing Secrets Podcast. Inside of this frame, I can talk about, share, and interview people on anything related to helping people sell more of the things they believe in. Since I started this podcast on the back of a huge business failure, most people would have thought it was the worst time ever to start a podcast, let alone one about marketing a business. But looking at it through the document, don't create lens reveals that it was the perfect time to start the podcast. 
In fact, I wish I would have started it 10 years earlier when I had first gotten online because I would have had so many more interesting things to share as I was learning them for the very first time. In any case, how cool is it now, six years later, that I've documented the entire journey from business failure to growing ClickFunnels to being an over $100 million per year company? Even more importantly, tens of thousands of other people have been able to follow us on that journey and learn the lessons as I was learning them. Step number three, testing your material. Recently, I was at a private mastermind retreat in Wyoming with a handful of influencers who had collectively made billions of dollars online and influenced hundreds of millions of people. One night as we were sitting around the campfire, Dean Graciosi shared an insight that has changed how I look at the material that I'm publishing. His story, from the best of my memory, went something like this. You know how when you watch an amazing comedian perform on stage on a late night talk show, every joke he tells lands perfectly? You find yourself wondering, how is this guy so funny? But what you don't realize is that over the last 10 years, as he started his journey to become a comedian, he would write out 10 jokes, go to the closest dive bar, stand up on stage, and deliver the jokes. He probably watched as one or two of the 10 jokes landed and the rest bombed. He would then go back home, take the two jokes that landed, and then write eight new ones. The next week, he would find a new place to perform, deliver his 10 jokes, and maybe find that one of his new jokes actually landed. Now he had three jokes in total that he can use. He goes back to his apartment and starts the process over again, doing this week after week, year after year, until he's found his 10 jokes. Now he's ready. That's when we get to see him, after he's perfected the material, when he stands up on stage and lands every joke on the biggest stage in the world. I look back at my journey and think about my first book, Dotcom Secrets. I was so scared when I finished writing that book that I didn't want to give it to people to read. But what most people didn't realize was that a full decade before I wrote that book, I earned that book. I was obsessed with marketing and I read, watched, and listened to everything I could get my hands on. After that, I would test the concepts and ideas on the little businesses that I was creating. I also tested the concepts on other people's businesses as a consultant. Some ideas worked while others failed. I started teaching at small seminars and workshops. I would explain concepts and watch to see which ideas made sense to people and which ideas were confusing. At each event, I would teach the concepts again, over and over, tweaking and refining the ideas and the stories every time. I did interviews, podcasts, videos, and articles testing my material over and over again. From this work came the concepts like the value ladder, the secret formula, the three types of traffic, funnel hacking, and the attractive character. I was testing my material for over a decade, and so while I was nervous for others to read the book, I was also confident because I knew it was ready. The same thing happened with Expert Secrets. I spent two years talking about the concepts on my own podcast and on other people's podcasts. I developed ideas on Periscope and then on Facebook Lives. I ran events, workshops, and coaching programs testing the ideas on others' businesses as well as mine, and the end product was the book. Today, as I'm typing this current book, I'm in the passenger seat of an RV while my wife is driving and the kids are playing in the back. I'm just as nervous about putting this out into the world as I was with my very first book. Yet I know that I've been testing this material for the past two years on every platform that I've had access to, and it's ready. Publishing your show daily as you're documenting your journey will give you a chance to start testing your material. You'll discover what messages connect with people, which episodes get shared, and which ones don't. You'll see which messages get people to show up and to comment, and which messages don't connect. It's the very process of you showing up consistently and publishing that will help you to refine your message, find your voice, and attract your dream customers to you. It doesn't matter if your end goal is a book a webinar, a keynote presentation, a viral video, or something else. The more you publish and test your material, the clearer your message will become and the more people you will attract. Step number four, introduction to your dream 100. 
When you start your show, typically you'll use the first few episodes to tell your origin story, why you created the show, and what people should expect. These initial episodes are important because there will be people who find your show a week from now, some a year from now, and others won't find it for years. But when they do, and when they get hooked, most people will go back to episode number one and binge listen or read or watch to catch up on what they've missed. Even though these early episodes are old, they'll still likely be starting point for many people that fall in love with your content. After the initial episodes, it's time to start using your show to infiltrate your dream 100. This is the secret to getting amazing new content for your show and also gives you the ability to leverage your dream 100 as guests to grow your show. Think about how this works on TV. Let's say that The Tonight Show wants to get a lot of people to watch their show. What do they do? They try to find the most relevant, interesting guests possible to be on the show, right? But they don't stop at that. All week leading up to that interview, they're promoting their guests on every distribution channel they have access to. You'll see commercials all week leading to the interview talking about who's going to be on the show. And you'll see clips during the commercial breaks leading up to the show showing the funniest or the most intense parts of the interview. The host is leveraging the guests to attract more viewers. The same will be true for your show. Who are the people on your Dream 100 that have an interesting story they could tell that will relate to your show and have a following of people who you can promote their episode to? You have a platform that you can now leverage to get people on your show, and they have a network that you can advertise their episode to. It's a huge win-win. In a perfect world, they would promote their episode to their entire following when it goes live. And this does happen at times. But even if they don't promote, you can still buy ads targeting their audience on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or wherever their following is. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. That's great, Russell, for people who already have relationships with their Dream 100. But what about me? I'm brand new. My show has almost no followers. So why would any of them want to let me interview them? The reality is that many people you ask will say no. And that's okay because you don't need everyone. You just need one. One guest that you can then leverage to get the others. Typically, most markets have a good old boys club atmosphere. And usually a lot of your Dream 100 will be in one or more clubs. To infiltrate and get access to that club, you don't need to get access to all of them. You just have to have one of the cool kids think you're cool and you're in. One of my favorite illustrations at this point was in the movie Never Been Kissed, starring Drew Barrymore, who played Josie, and David Arquette, who played Rob. In this movie, Josie is a writer for the Chicago Sun-Times and gets a job to go undercover back to high school to get a story on teenage culture. She struggles to get in with the cool kids, and her brother Rob tells her the secret. If she can get one person to think she's cool, then she'll be in, because everyone else at school will be too scared to challenge it. Rob then demonstrates this principle as he registers for school, becomes popular within a day, and uses his popularity to get Josie into the cool kids club. A few years ago, I got a call from a guy named Telman Knutson, who was just starting his own company. He knew that I had a list of subscribers, apparently I was on his Dream 100 list, and he wanted to ask if I would promote a summit he was creating to my list. I decided the idea he was pitching me wasn't a good fit, and I told him no. I assumed that this was going to be the last I heard from him, thinking that most of the people on his Dream 100 probably would have told him no as well. He didn't have a list or a platform, he just had an idea and some hustle. About six months later, out of the blue, I started getting dozens of emails from some of the most respected list owners in our industry, all promoting Telman's new summit. Interested in what happened, I gave Telman a call and asked him how in the world was he able to get all these huge list owners to promote for him. He responded, I made a list of people I wanted to be part of this promotion, and then I started calling them. The first person told me no, and then the second person said the same thing. I kept calling and kept getting no's. Somewhere in that list, I called you, and your answer was the same, but I was determined to make this work no matter the cost, so I kept calling. How many people did you end up calling, I asked? 49. You called 49 people? No, I got 48 no's, but the 49th person said yes. 
I knew that after I had one yes, I was in. I asked him if he knew anyone else that might be interested, and he gave me three names. I called each of them, and each of them said yes. I asked them for referrals, and then each of them said yes as well. As my list of yeses grew, I started calling those who had told me no and showed them the people who were now involved and had said yes. And many of the noes I had received earlier turned into yeses. I received 48 noes in a row, and then the next 30 people all said yes. That promotion ended up building Tillman a list of over 100,000 people in just a few short months. And that list generated him over $800,000 in sales during his first year online. That is the power of infiltrating your Dream 100. So your job now is to look at your Dream 100 and start asking them to be on your show. Many will say no, but don't let that stop you. You only need one yes. As you have a chance to interview your Dream 100 on your podcast, you'll be giving them a platform for which they'll be grateful. You'll be able to spend time with them building a relationship as you interview them on your show, digging your well before you're thirsty, and then you can tap into their audiences to promote their episode, build your show, and get access to their followers. Putting it all together. I've explained a lot of concepts in this chapter, so I want to recap it all into something a little more tangible. Step number one. The first step is to figure out what type of show you want to have. If you're a writer, then you should start a blog. If you like video, then you should start a vlog on one of the video platforms. And lastly, if you like audio, then you should start a podcast. Step number two. Your show will be you documenting the process of achieving the same goal that your audience will be striving for. As you're documenting your process, you'll be testing your materials and paying attention to the things that people respond to. If you commit to publishing your show every day for a year, you'll have the ability to test your material and find your voice and your dream customers will be able to find you. Step number three, you'll leverage your Dream 100 by interviewing them on your show. This will give you the ability to build relationships with them, give them a platform, give you the ability to promote their episodes on your show to their audience and get access to their friends and followers. Step number four, even though this is your own show, you're renting time on someone else's network. It's important that you don't forget that and that you focus on converting it into traffic that you own. And with that, I will close out section one of this book. So far, we've covered a lot of core principles to traffic. We identified exactly who your dream client is. We discovered exactly where they're congregating. We talked about how to work your way into those audiences, traffic that you earn, and talked about how to buy your way into those audiences, traffic that you control. We learned about how to take all that traffic that you earn and all the traffic that you buy and turn it into traffic that you own, building your list. We discussed how to plug that list into a follow-up funnel so you can move them through your value ladder, and then we prepared to infiltrate your Dream 100, find your voice, and build your following by creating your own show. In the next section, we're going to shift our focus to mastering the pattern to get traffic from any advertising networks like Instagram, Facebook, Google, and YouTube, and how to understand their algorithms so you can get unlimited traffic and leads pouring into your funnels.